tell me what it was like that very first time when you went out there and you heard presenting earth wind and fire and the stage the curtains went up and you were part of that what was that like well i have to say i'm, I'm thinking about it because at the time it happened it was too much going on we were doing these magic tricks and all that stuff so it was you had to be very focused on whatever happened because you, you didn't either falling in a hole somewhere or getting caught in some kind of pyrotechnics disaster so but the, the thing was the first time we did i heard it it was being it was being spoken by james earl jones darth vader <laughs> and, and that voice ringing through an arena on those speakers was like it was like the voice of god coming through you know <laughs> so pretty interesting and when they said when he said earth my whole life flashed before me all the way up to that point you know all the groups that were i was in that was trying to be earth running fire and or outshine or whatever this was the moment that we were actually in earth running fire and that was you know that was quite a quite an honor i mean second to nothing to your knowledge was there any other musician that's been in both the commodores and earth wind and fire was there any other say it again i missed it any other musician that's been in the commodores and earth wind and fire other than yourself no i was considered the spy below <laughs> <laughs> <A little> seven <laughs> My, my, I had a good buddy who was with the Secret Service, and he used to say, "You're just like an agent, one of our agents. You know, you playing between both ends. You know." Was there ever was there ever a, a show that had both on the same bill? Not when I was in the group. Not when I was in the group, but they did do a show together in St. Louis. I heard, and uh, I won't say who won, but I think you can probably figure that out. <laughs> so you're with the band for 14 years, and I know. Um, I think it was um, Millennium when you did uh, Sunday Morning and you got nominated uh, for Grammy as a co-writer. What was that experience like for you, Sheldon? It was cool because I was born on Sunday morning, so that was kind of like writing my story in a way. You know, the lyrics weren't about me or nothing, but it was when we, I wrote the track mostly. And when we were in the studio, Maurice was and I got to singing. We we were just mumbling. We were like, ooh. And we kept saying Sunday morning. <laughs> we didn't know what to say, but we just kept saying Sunday morning. So we, we stuck with it and we, we gave it to Allie Willis, who was a great songwriter and wrote with everybody. And she wrote the story. So it really came out of her as far as what the subject matter was about. But it was based on that we just kept singing Sunday morning and it just sounded good. Hmm. That song, especially on that record, I think you really had the classic Earth, Wind & Fire sound also. Well, part of it was that when I was writing the track, I was I was thinking of fantasy, actually. Mm. There's certain turnarounds in Sunday morning that were kind of similar to the, the turnaround in fantasy. And that's where I was getting it from. I was getting that sort of like that, that Earth, Wind & Fire with the classical vibe, but we're going to church this time. Can you tell me what it was like being in the studio watching Maurice um, and, and the rest of the guys and yourself? What was the, the creative process like? 
but during that time it was more it was more like myself a guy named mike mcknight who works with everybody from j-lo madonna earth Wind, fire he was a keyboard programmer at the time he and i and maurice and paul klingberg the engineer would be in the studio most of the time creating the, the foundation for the tracks the rest of the band would come in later yeah it was they i, I had a nickname it was called tuscanini because I'm not a keyboard player, but I can fumble around and get some ideas out for, you know, for writing purposes. And, you know, and I hear a lot of the stuff that I can't physically play on keyboard, but I was, I was trying. And a lot of times I would have accidents where I'd come up with something crazy that was like when you hear in Sunday morning, when you hear Serpentine Fire, the sample we did, I, I was, that was actually an accident, me playing around with some samples. And I hit it right in the right spot all of a sudden. And it was like, we just kept it. We were, luckily we were recording and we kept it. <laughs> Happy accident. So, okay. So what else in the but, studio though? What was, what was Maurice like as a producer and whatever else the other guys did? He had, he had certain looks that were his, his forte, you know, his thing. You could tell when he was digging it and you could tell when he wasn't. He wouldn't always say he didn't like it. He just would kind of look a certain way in the, in the eye, turn around, look at you, and give you a, like a <laughs> like really. And that was like, don't do that again. <laughs> so, and uh, if he dug it, he'd be like, you know, he was always cool, but he didn't want anybody in the studio when he was singing. Cause it was kind of kind of a distraction but when one time we were working with uh the guy that was married to holly berry the singer i can't think of his name oh god i can't call his name uh, anyway we were working with him and while we were working holly berry walks in and i noticed that maurice didn't make her go out <laughs> so we were like all intimidated because we were all big fans so but he didn't make her leave the studio like he did most of the band. It was like, why come she can stay? Well, what's up with that? You know? Eric Benet. Yeah, Eric Benet. We were doing yeah. some songs with him at the time. And uh beautiful song. He's a he's a great writer and a great cat. He's a wonderful cat. But uh most of the time when Maurice was in the studio, it was just like the, just the four. And then he'd bring in Verdine and Philip and everybody else when he needs them. You talked about Verdine being this incredible uh, source of energy and the fire and all that. Um, just mm -hmm. tell, tell me a little bit about his ferocity as a bass player. Oh, he was, how do you say it? He never had a bad night. I mean, I, I think in the last 40 years they've been together, he never had a bad night that I ever saw. I mean, he always was spot on with the groove and and the, you know the, the the intensity of what he put into his playing and the dedication to excellence. I mean, he's he's like he's like the. I mean, I can't say anybody greater. He's the greatest performer I ever worked with. And you know, you can argue about who's who's the greatest bass player and all that kind of stuff, but. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him. I wouldn't put him down for anybody. I would always want to play with him. So, 
So you ended up recording, I think, one more studio record uh, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, Avatar. You were part of that one, right? Yeah, there were there were several albums, but that was that was the last one. Avatar and uh, the, In the Name of Love was, I guess, what That's they called really the it. Same. Yeah, yeah, the same album. Yeah. And then I also have this this one here, which you're on this live one, I think, too. And yeah. I also have box set. Oh yeah, that's, that's that's the collector's item there. And um, and I think you're on this one. You're on this one too. I don't remember being on that one. I think that came before me, if I'm not mistaken. No, this one is. Um, Unless they recover, recovered it. Yeah, no, it's 1990 in Tokyo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm on there. Yeah. So speaking of that, what what was one or two of the most unforgettable like concert experiences that you had with Earth, Wind, and Fire? That would have been the main one, 1990, uh, Tokyo Dome. I, I was two guitar players in the band, like I was telling you before. And that night we had the biggest concert we had had since I had been in the band, which was at Tokyo Dome was 50,000 people there. And the, the other guy, Dick Smith, usually did the guitar solo on That's the Way of the World. And I did the one on Shining Star. And we had a feature on Shining Star, which I did like a Hendrix tribute kind of thing at that time. Well, that night, right when we got to the point where the guitar solo happens in That's the Way of the World, his guitar went out and they couldn't get anything going. It was, something was wrong technically. And, he, and, and suddenly everybody turned and looked at me and said, you got it. And I, and I went out front and did it and it's, and it's, and it's documented forever now because it's on YouTube all over the place. But um, you'll see Maurice edging me on because I was trying to get out of, he was trying to get me out of being shy because I didn't, I didn't usually take long solos. And I ended up going crazy on the things, just trying to out of nervous, nervous energy. And to this day, my son tells me that was the best solo he ever saw his dad do. Yeah, on this disc, they actually have it as its own track, Sheldon Reynolds on guitar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, that now off stage, I have a, a more even more inspiring moment. Um, but let me let me add one more to it on on stage. Paris, France, a place called Bercy in Paris. We came on stage and we had to leave the stage because when we started to take start this the show, the crowd got so crazy they were starting to climb up on the stage. It was like a Beatlemania moment. And we had to be we had to be security had to run us back into the dressing room and lock the doors so until they got it all cleared out. Wow, was that fun and or scary? Both. It was like being the Jacksons and the Beatles in, in, you know, that night. And uh, we were, us new guys, because that was our first you know, tour. Us new guys were just looking at each other like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> but um, did, did, Maurice, did, did, did Maurice or the guys seem like flustered about it or were they cool? They'd been through it before. Yeah. So they, they, were, they, were, they were like, you'll get used to it. I was like, I hope so. <laughs> It reminds me. That's like when it's like Sheldon when um, I moved my wife out from New York to L.A. When she went through her first earthquake, and it was no big deal to me, but she freaked out. That's right. what I'm imagining that was like for you. Yeah, my wife did too. <laughs> yeah, my wife did too. Right, a month before we got married, 
she was here and, and an earthquake happened and it was a small one, but it was right in my neighborhood and under, right under us. And she looked at me like, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to Texas. This is where I'm from. <laughs> I'm going back. <laughs> you know, you can, you can stay here if you want to, but I'll be in Texas. But um, the most inspiring moment of all for me was um, I was in Europe and Italy and a 15 year old kid walks up to me and says, you're Sheldon Reynolds, aren't you? And I laughed because I had to think about it. I was like, look him in the eye and make sure he wasn't going to say, you, you know, you're my son or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what kind of wild day that I had that I don't remember, you know. And, and I looked at him and I was like, how do you know me? And he said, uh, my mom took me to my first concert when I was seven years old. It was Earth, Wind and Fire and I played guitar because of you and I thank you. Wow. Woo tears, I was, I was butter at that point. <laughs> and I was like, and I was very happy because, I mean, he he chose to, you know, to play guitar because of me, and I'm glad it was something good and positive because it could have been that I was a bank robber or something, and he was trying to imitate that, you know. Mm -hmm. But that was the most inspiring moment over anything we've ever done that I just touched somebody's life in a positive way. That's awesome. So you're with him 14 years. Why did you eventually part ways? Um, in reality, it was basically Philip changed the band. I mean, he started changing the band around. He was deciding he didn't want to, the guys that had been there all that time. He wanted to, to get some new guys and start his own thing because Maurice was no longer touring. He wanted to establish his own or his own version of Earth, Wind, Fire, I guess. So that was the end of the Cinderella time. So what, did that come as sort of a, I mean, was that hard for you to take or it was just like, well, you kind of felt like you had had your run or what kind of mindset were you with that? All of the above. <laughs> I mean, we had, I had watched, he had let go of Sonny and Morris Pleasure and before me, and I was the last of the, the new generation. And he, I guess he didn't want him or want us around anymore because we were too close to Maurice. So, mm -hmm. you know, we all have our run. I had 14 years. Most groups don't last more than four weeks. So I cherish it and thank God for the time I did have. And I love him anyway. So after that, let's talk a little bit about what you did after that, uh, Sheldon. So you got into some, um, I think the Glory movie was after that and some TV work. And what else have you been up to? Just a lot of producing and writing. And I ended up working with Brian Culbertson and produced that Hendrix album and stuff like that. Um, mostly focused on the writing and producing mostly nowadays. Because I do, like I said, I, I don't mind talking about it, but I do battle with Parkinson. And that kind of slows me down. But I also go out and do these, I can do tribute shows with a group called Kalimba. And they're out of Seattle. They do a wonderful tribute to Earth, Wind and Fire. And sometimes I go out and do shows with those guys. And that, that's really fun because I can go out and do like five or six songs and and just kind of enjoy the moment and get out of the way before they start look, looking and saying, He's, what is he stumbling around for? <laughs> you know. How, how does that, if 
If you don't mind me asking, how does that impact you the most? Does it make you more challenging to play the guitar? I was going to say the, the interesting thing is that um, when I go on stage, it feels like for at least the, at least the first 45 minutes or so, it feels like I'm 21 again. Yeah. The adrenaline and the love for it comes back and it kind of takes over the body for a minute. And I don't have the balance problem or anything for a little while, long enough for me to get through the show. And uh, so, you know, whatever the cure is, I, I hope it's, I'm, I think it's something in the, it's something to do with adrenaline. Something, something, there's, there's something that'll knock it out because it doesn't, there are times when it doesn't affect me at all and other times when it does. Yeah, well, I definitely feel for you. I think, I'm not sure if it was on the air or not, but my mom suffered from it, so I'm, was pretty close to it myself yeah. um and i think they will cure it one of these days hopefully soon um so sheldon looking back um I, I did want to mention that hendrix project was i had picked up that cd and it was very very nicely done um Thank you. did you get to work directly with some of those guys how, how did you put that together some of them bootsy and uh, sounds of blackness and um who else uh prince did his, his thing by himself as usual um i can't remember exactly who all but yeah a lot of them we did work together because we did a lot of tribute shows with them around the same time so there was these concerts going on as well as this recording so it was all sort of tied in one thing and plus around the same time i started doing the devoted spirits tribute to earth wind and fire so I had a lot of the guys playing on that stuff as well. And did you also do a, a Billy Cox thing? Well, he was playing on some of the stuff we did for the tribute. Right. And then he was on the, on the tribute shows as well. I lost you for a second. Oh, yeah. Was that, that was different from the experience Hendrix shows or was that the same? Same. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I've seen that. I saw that tour a couple of times, <clears throat> but but I recommend that disc for any Hendrix fan. Definitely pick it up. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We worked with George Duke. You know, he played on Who Knows with me and Larry Dunn and Morris Pleasure and Ricky Lawson. That was that was the most fun I'd ever had in a band. <laughs> it was it was cool. So you actually were able to get together. It wasn't done remotely. No, it was done. Everybody but but George was done together. I flew into LA because I was living in Seattle then, and I flew into LA and did George later. And then um, I did uh, the same thing with Earth Wind Fire because Earth Wind Fire was on that on that tribute as well. What was it like working with Bootsy? Uh, it was it was fun. He you know he called up. He's like, hey, baby, I, I'm looking forward to doing this. Let, it, let the groove happen. <laughs> so he was, because I had known him since I was a teenager, since growing up in Cincinnati. And uh, it was an honor to work with him and be able to bring something to him that was that was respectable and, you know, on a, on a level that he could, he could see himself doing something with it. Nice. So looking back, Sheldon, on all this amazing stuff that you've been part of, 
is there anything that wasn't mentioned that you look back and think, wow, that was really something amazing and special? Uh, maybe it was a show you did with the Commodores that we didn't talk about, or is there anything else that um, really stands out in your mind from your from your career? Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's all kinds of stories, funny and sad and emotional and everything, but I think I'm, I'm actually working on a story about my life that I hope becomes a movie one day. And um, it, it's, it's, it's intended to inspire the young guys from where I come from, as well as other areas where the people are telling you you'll never make it any further than where you are. And one guy got through, and that was me. And that story is repeated by a lot of guys who did get through and did make it out of where their circumstances were so bad that they didn't think they'd make it. And I thank God and I thank all the people who supported me all along the way. And um, I'm just thankful. I mean, cause it's like the day I arrived in to play with the Commodores, I saw so many great musicians in, in the guitar centers and the guitar institutes and stuff. If they could have called right down the street instead of calling a guy all the way from Cincinnati to come out here and play. But I got the call. So I, I mean, I, I have to give honor to my maker and say thank you for that. You know, and working with Maurice was the honor of a lifetime. I mean, he inspired me and I hope hopefully I can carry on his legacy in a good way. Is there anything Amen. that you haven't yet done that you're, you're hoping to do? Is there anything left on your, on your bucket list? I never got to play with Quincy Jones. Mm -hmm. If Quincy's listening, just let me play on one track. Just a, just a, a verse. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only one. I met him, but never got to work with him. Huh. I did audition for Michael Jackson, though, but uh, I was second in line to get the gig, and, and of course, he passed after that. So. I didn't get a chance to work with him either, but I did get to meet him and, and play before him. How did you uh, connect with uh, Brian Culbertson? Ironic. I'm good friends with Ray Parker. Mm -hmm. And I, I got a call from another guitar player, a friend of mine. And she said, look, there's a guy who you might have heard of named Brian Culbertson who's looking for a guitar player. And, and if you can find him, he's good friends with Ray Parker. So if you can find him, he may need, he may be the cat he might want to have. So I, I said, okay, let me try to call Ray. And I called Ray. And when I called Ray, he was sitting there having lunch with Brian Culberton. Yeah. And then he put him on the phone and I ended up getting the, getting the gig right on the phone. <laughs> so that was it. And it was just, it was, it couldn't have been more simpler. That's a pretty funky record. Oh man, he was a joy to work with. He was, he, he's the only person I've known that I've worked with who has just as much energy and talent as Verdine. Mm -hmm. I mean, he plays the piano upside down. He plays the trombone like, like, you know, like, uh, like nobody's business. And I mean, he's, and he's every show he is dedicated to the entertainment. Mm -hmm. And we, we have a, we wrote a lot of songs together with it. Uh, unfortunately the smooth jazz market went down when I came in, but we had a lot of number one hits out of these, out of our collaborations. So I thank him, even though I was late getting there. 
How, how did you get into, uh, how and when did you get into astronomy? I mean, that seems to be sort of related to Earth, Wind, and Fire because, you know, of all those types of covers and the types of philosophy that Maurice had. Was, was that a coincidence or is that related somehow? Mm, I, would say, I would say a little bit of both because I was into it long before I knew Earth, Wind, and Fire, but because I grew up being a, a Christian, a God believer, uh, a person who asked a lot of questions about everything. Where did, you know, where did uh, Cain's wife come from? All that kind of stuff. I was wanted to ask every question in the book. But astronomy to me is the one thing that I can look at and know is the truth and not interrupted by any mankind because we can't, we can't adjust the space that's out there in front of us and alter it to, to be our own interpretation. It's, it is what it is and it's truth, truthfully what it is. And I've always been fascinated to understand God's creation. That was the first thing. Maurice was that way as well, as well as most of the, most of the Earth and Fire members. So that, that's where the tie comes into it. But uh, I've always been one who, if I hadn't been a musician, I would have been an astronomer or an astronaut or something like that. But um, the I would say the second most inspiring moment from my life that I enjoyed was I got called by the Arecibo uh, telescope people down in Puerto Rico to come down and speak as a uh, keynote speaker at one of their 50th anniversary celebrations. And I'm no astronomer, I'm just an avid, you know, lover of astronomy, but I I was asked to come down there and speak and I was so nervous because I was like, what am I gonna say to all these guys? Because, uh, you know, people who won Nobel Peace Prizes for losing blah, 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 stuff you can't even pronounce. Sheldon, Sheldon, up, Sheldon, excuse yeah. me. You could, you're kind of falling off the picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's that? Can you shift over just a little more? Like, there you go. Okay, good. Okay. So. Yeah, I got called. I, when I got the call, I was so nervous that I ended up, I ended up writing my speech that I was going to give. I ended up trashing it when I got on stage and said, look, I just want to tell you how inspired I am by you. I, I don't want to talk about like, like I'm the president of the United States and trying to give some official speech about stuff you guys already know about. But I just want to tell them that when you fight with Congress and all these people who fund you, just notice you got people behind you who are believing you and are inspired by you and keep up the great work. And they stood up and, and applauded. And I thought, oh man, somebody please record this. <laughs> but that was, that was probably the most unique moment of my life. And I never would have thought I'd have been doing something like that. And what year was that? Uh, three years ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, it was three years ago. and I could have stayed there forever because it was, except for when the hurricane went through, I'd have been the heck out of there at that point. Hmm. Okay, one more question for you. Mm -hmm. You know, the show is called Truth and Rhythm. And so mm -hmm. I like to ask, you know, what what does that mean to you? How do you find truth? in the music that you create? Um, 
how do I say it? When you can't explain something that feels that good, when it, when the, when the groove feels so good, but you can't put in words as to why it feels so good, that's when it's free. When you listen to Hendrix playing Machine Gun, he's free right there. He doesn't have to keep the rhythm. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to carry the band by himself or anything like that. He is free to just be him, his his full self, and express what he's trying to say, which is not to say I'm the baddest guitar player, but I'm telling, I'm trying to tell the best story with this guitar. When a groove of a band reaches that point like that, that's 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 the truth. Because you can you can tell people play this, play this, play that, play this part, play this part, and it might work and all that, but when when you don't have to explain it. It's just like love, you know, it's like you don't have to explain it, it's just there. And I think that's when the God particle comes in. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, man. Hey, thank you so much. Um, if you just hang tight while I close this out. Um, but I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. You put up and weathered through some technical challenges, but we got it done. Thanks for the service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have to follow up with you on that. All right. So with that, it's time to wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm. A huge thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Sheldon Reynolds, member of three of the all-time great R&B funk bands, Earth, Wind & Fire, The Commodores, and Sun so much more besides thank you again so much for sharing your time and experiences and thank you to all the listeners and viewers of the program be sure to be on the lookout for upcoming truth and rhythm episodes and catch up with other installments at funkstuff.net on youtube and itunes and other leading podcast providers we want to hear from you drop me a line at scott g at funkstuff.net let me know what you like what you don't like who else you want to see besides uh, sheldon reynolds and until next time, on behalf of Sheldon Reynolds, this is Scott, Dr. GX Qualfine, as always, saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. The one.